Illegal Pete's is back, and we are so pumped to have them on board again. As you guys know, the pandemic shut down lots of restaurants, and Illegal Pete's was one of them. They've been back in action for a while now, and we couldn't be happier to promote them. They have a bunch of awesome new stuff going on, including their sound check promotion, which is an ongoing promotion at all locations that offers a free draft beer or house marg with purchase of an adult entree when the guest shows a same-day ticket to any event. So jump on that if you're starting to go out and do things again illegal Pete's can hook you up they also launched their party margs during the pandemic which are 32 ounce house margaritas four times larger than their normal one you can get stuff during happy hour at all locations from 3 to 6 p.m every day one dollar off all drafts one dollar off house and coin style margs twenty dollar party margs one dollar off large chips and queso as well just a bunch of awesome deals right now. Also, apparently their queso is really great and people love knowing that. So now you know. Head on over to Illegal Pete's and get yourself some awesome food today. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. Coming at you today, it's a topic we've danced around a lot. We've kind of talked about which opponent each of us would like to see the Avs play in the first round, but we haven't really dug deep into the why. So we figured we'd get into that a little bit today for the Avs. Realistically, I think there are three opponents you can expect for the Avalanche in round one, maybe four if you're being generous to to San Jose. Uh, But if the Avs end up taking the number one seed and playing the four seed, it looks like it's going to be St. Louis or Arizona. And if they end up in the second seed, it's almost certainly going to be Minnesota. True facts. Those are... The realistic opponents for the Avs in round one, which is fine, I guess. I, AJ and I have been pretty steadfast in our belief that the Avs shouldn't be afraid of anyone anywhere mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But the way you approach a series, which each of these teams could be significantly different. Um, should we start with the, the four seeds or the Minnesota and the three seed, AJ? What do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the peasant class. All right. I think we can agree that Arizona is the peasant of the peasants. Uh, I think specific, specifically against the Avalanche. Yeah. Um, there would be, it's tougher to find a matchup 
that you're more comfortable with. For sure. Based on their postseason series last year, based on the 6-1-1 one and one that they went against the Coyotes this year. Uh, I mean, 10-2-1 in their last 13 games doesn't really give you a whole lot of confidence here. Well, and, and even across that series, look at what puts the Avalanche in trouble. Uh, one of those losses is incredibly bad luck. Yeah, they had the three, the three to two game where they have scored all five goals. Um, they have an overtime loss, and the other loss was in game two of Against the postseason series, getting goalied essentially. Yeah, yeah, which uh, where Pavel Francouz was in that game. Yep, like, and if you go and you look, uh, a large number of these games this year got played with backups in net. Yep. yep. The Avs did not run out Grubauer for all of that series. They picked their spots. It wasn't like Anaheim where they were just, they used Anaheim as their, their ultimate, like we're taking our chances with the backup tonight, fellas. (laughs) They, uh, they felt confident in running it out against Arizona for sure. And I, I think that's one of the biggest problems for Arizona this year. And honestly, over the past three or four years now, they can't keep a healthy starter. Yeah, so this is where that's that's where Arizona could make you nervous, right? If you're if they make if up you're, ground, sure. If you're conjuring up if you're conjuring up reasons to be uh like what about or where's the path to victory for Arizona? Yeah. You can't you can't sit there and say it doesn't exist because the abs could go into the playoffs. They between injuries and you know just plain old bad hockey luck and underperformance. They get absolutely like yeah, it, they can absolutely choke that series away. Look, Tampa lost to Columbus in a sweep two years ago. It happened. Yeah, and like for the record, like if you go back and you look at that Columbus team, it was pretty jacked. It it was it was it was definitely the team that was expected to outperform its its seed in that yeah. playoffs for sure. But like it, it was not a traditional eighth. You, it was funny because that was the wild card chaos squad season. Yep. And Columbus, Colorado, Dallas, and I think Carolina. Yep. And it's like, uh, you look at those teams today. Dallas went to the cup finals last year, beating Colorado in seven in the second round. And Carolina, I think, also got to the second round last year. Yeah. They, did they go to seven or six in round two? I forget. Anyway. I, yeah. I am so, like, I was trying to even remember the playoff matchups last year. That was, that was 84 just, years ago. Yeah, so. <laughs> and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was like, nope, I have no recollection of this at all anymore. Um, but no, it's like you look you look at those teams then, and then you look at them now, and you're like, oh, that was turns a out they year. were pretty good, eh? Yeah, that was a precursor <laughs> to some stuff happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with Arizona, like your number one fear is that Darcy Kemper is healthy. Yep. And they are one nothing games two yeah, two they, one games that they have he, offenses hampered by injuries and it just kind of dries up on them basically yeah. 
Like, even not even injuries, but, like, they get – the top line is the only one that's – it's, like, the first month of the season, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where they can get – Bottom six just doesn't exist offensively at all. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, great. You've suppressed shots, but you've driven no offense. Yep. Kale McCarr has the same case of the start that he did to the season. Yep. You know, where – the offense, it, it was just sort of a perfect storm of things happening. Yeah, it's, I mean. I, it, I did get my second shot yesterday, and I am feeling sick today. So, so I'm battling through the elements. He's a, he's playing hurt. Yeah. Uh, it's just, the thing about Arizona is their offense just isn't that dangerous. Yeah. Nobody like really Garland, scares you. Yeah. Garland, Clayton Keller. <laughs> an aging Phil Kessel. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, like the the thunderbolt that has kind of jolted them back to life here recently has been Michael Bunting. Yeah. Okay, like Michael Bunting has the greatest month of his life. I'm old enough to remember when uh, Brandon Yip did the same yeah. thing for the Avs. Had one great month. Yeah. <laughs> Made like, a multiple-year <clears throat> NHL career out of one month. I, <laughs> I remember that. Like, he scored a bunch of goals yep so it's you know it's one of those things where you're like okay like the the michael bunting thing is great right now it's fun to watch and all that but is this gonna be for real or you know dude i hope it's for real he'd be the ultimate cy young candidate right now Seven goals and one assist in eleven games. They have they I mean all the years of uh what's his face down there. They've had some great Cy Young candidates over the years. Um because of all the Grabner years. Oh yeah, that's right. <clears throat> but <laughs> when you're when you're uh, back back to you know, when you're talking about a first round matchup that could go could go poorly for Colorado. It really like it starts with goaltending. It's gonna be sure. goaltending. It's gonna be Yarrow Halak against the uh the, the Capitals and like just drag a team or to competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. Like, like even though even though the you know they could be getting shelled in shots, you know, it'll be it'll be forty two to seventeen. It's gonna be two to one final score. Yep. Because a guy gets absolutely locked in and refuses to to, to seed ground, and that's that's the fear with Darcy Kemper, is that he's absolutely a guy, based on how he's played over the last couple of years, he's absolutely a guy that you could be like, well, this is exactly what we're afraid of, is this guy getting, getting crazy and shutting you down. And they get just enough offense. Garland, Keller, Kessel, yep. I guess Michael Bunting, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, they get just enough offense that they they slip through and then rinse and repeat. It's not not gonna not gonna get them into a third round, but even it's, that, it's it's just such a tough sell. Even that, given the way well, we've seen the series play out. Well, and we saw last year, do you remember last year, there were a whole lot of after game two? Yeah. 
Um, or I'm sorry, it was after it was after game three. Three, the one they won. That yeah. concern that this was repeatable, sure. Yeah, then... it was like it was like, oh man, it's only two to one, and they've only dominated two of the three games and blah 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 blah. And it, it was like <laughs> like we'll we'll see, right? Like, sure, you could you could envision this doomsday scenario where you don't want to say it's impossible. It absolutely it lives, it exists. But then the Avs dropped two touchdowns on them last year. Yeah, but then, but then, like the breakthrough happens, and like we remember that series, like them walking away. Yep. And then, like this season series has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was, I was very vocal and adamant that going into a postseason, I don't care very much about how a season series plays out. But in previous years, that's because it's like four or five games spread out across six months. <laughs> it's not the abs, eight the abs games played, set. Yeah, we have to played Arizona eight times in the last three months. If they see them again next month, there's not. It's not going to be a significantly different team. Yep. If four weeks from now they they match up in the postseason in round one, it's not going to be like life alteringly different. You know, and and barring major injury from either club, of course. And that's also something to keep in mind. Like the yeah, abs, the abs got the abs. The abs were able to take advantage of Prozvitov and Aiden Hill in net. Yep, it's and the other side of the coin is that you don't want to put it out into the world, but significant injuries to key players on the Avalanche completely changes sure. the shape of what expectations are. Look, if Nathan if Nathan McKinnon goes out and and shreds his knee on Thursday night in the first game back and he's done for the year, I mean it's we're having the same kind of eulogy that the Nuggets had to have for Jamal Murray. Yep. You know, because it's just like, okay, well, this is probably not going to happen now. And, and that's just reality, but you roll with those punches as they come. There's no yeah. predicting any of that side of the game. So you can only do so much in it, when it comes to that aspect. But the, the thing with Arizona is, and I, honestly, this is true of a lot of teams, their defense doesn't scare me. So... <clears throat> The only the only defense there's really only two or three defenses in the NHL that I would be quote unquote worried about. Sure. Vegas has one of them. Mm-hmm. Minnesota has another one. And that might just be the fact that I have given Minnesota's defense all of the respect over the years. Yep. I think Jared Spurgeon is this generation's most underrated player. Um, we watch Matt Dumba tear up the Avs on the regular. Yeah, and like Ryan Suter is still is still a quality player. Yep. You know, like they that defense can do some things, man. Like they are, it's just it's just so good, but. Arizona's like it's Jacob Chikrin, who is legit a breakout star. This absolutely year. broken out. Yep. <clears throat> but then, like, OEL is massively overrated. Yep. 
comically overpaid, like just just really isn't very good anymore. Or just hasn't been for the last couple of years. Yep. And uh then, old and not the same Hjalmerson. Yeah, well Jalmerson and Goligoski and Jason Demers, and it's like a bunch okay, of like older bit a, pieces, yeah. This was a great defense back in 2014. <laughs> You know, like, oh my goodness, but it's just, it's not 2014. Yep. So they, that's, that's not, that's not a unit that makes me nervous at all. Agreed. And to be honest, like Arizona's forward court doesn't make me, there's nothing there that makes me nervous. Yep. Connor Garland is great. And I like watching Connor Garland, but the abs have specifically swallowed him whole this year. They have had no issue shutting that little fella down. You watched that offensive unit plus Taylor Hall get bodied in the playoffs last season. Yeah. Well, so, and then they then they come back this year and they're they're even more inept against the Avs. The Avs have the Avs got better defensively and just shredded Arizona this year in their season series. Multiple sub twenty shot games for Arizona. Coyote. The Coyotes had legitimately one respectable outing against the Avs this year. Yep. Otherwise, in eight games, seven of those, like, not good. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about Arizona. I've talked a lot of trash about the Coyotes. I, if that's the first round matchup. It's I think I think it's the the safest, right? It's the one that you're most comfortable putting them in the next round. Cheers to our guy Ian in chat. Always happy to have a fan of an opposing team that's willing to talk hockey. We appreciate you in there. Yeah. Well, I mean we had we had other Minnesota fans that were in here, but they couldn't <laughs> couldn't hold it together. Yeah, like they couldn't figure out how to be respectful for 10 seconds. Yep. Like, it's okay. I get it. If I rolled into a, a Minnesota YouTube channel and was listening to them talk about the wild all the time, I would probably be like, okay, well, I'm going to up the asshole mode here. And then you'd get banned and you'd be like, cool. Yeah. Moving on with my life. Like, all right. Well, let's see what else the internet has to offer me. <laughs> We could take our first period break with Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different kinds on tap down at the DNVR bar. Highly recommend you check that out. Also, check out their seltzers. Use the Breck Beer Locator online to find them in a local liquor store near you. Highly recommend all of their stuff. Absolutely delicious. We're also sponsored by Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. You can... Get it at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Get 25% off your first order with code DNVR25. It's been known to help with many different aches and pains, migraines, IBS, joint pain, all sorts of stuff. So if you haven't tried it yet, now is a great time to get on it. Also, check us out at TheDNVR.com. Consider signing up for an annual membership. Look, I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but we are the best sports coverage in Colorado. And I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, we have obviously the YouTube channel. We have a bunch of amazing written content. Nuggets, Rockies, us here are the Avs, of course. Uh, Broncos as well. 
we even cover rugby, some other things too. So I will I will give us that credit. I feel like we are our coverage is the best multimedia platform yeah. out there. We have podcasts, we have videos, we have written articles, we do live audio. It's all sorts of awesome stuff. Uh, who's probably who is the best ping pong player at DNVR? I don't even know. I don't know. We should actually have an off-season tournament. Have this a little ping pong of, tournament. This is the yeah. shit that we should have done during COVID. Straight up, <laughs> when nobody was doing anything and anybody would have watched anything, we should have been. You we know, should have been streaming us playing ping pong. DNVR ping pong tournament on Twitch would have raked in views for sure. That would have been a that would have been a killer. Uh, yeah, we have we have merch. Shout out D Line Co. Our merch is incredible. Also, P.S. Also, our guy Blaze. Yeah, who's the other half of D Line Co. <laughs> he is indeed. Dude, I, I, I'll I'll cast. What we found out over the COVID break was I'm the sports caster at DNVR. Apparently, at least the esports caster. Um. Yeah, I don't like play by play. You guys can see what's happening on screen. I don't need to describe it to you. Slacker. You're a slacker, AJ. <laughs> Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. On that note, be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube video. That really helps us out a ton here on YouTube. You can always catch us there live or after the show. And if you prefer to listen to the podcast version, that is always up as well. So, Arizona, kind of the bottom of the totem pole. Uh, the the one, if you were going into it, you would probably pick Arizona for the apps to play. I think we agree on that. Yeah, and I would pick I would pick Colorado today if it if it were happening today. I would sure, pick Colorado four sure. one. Yeah, in that series, you give them the game five because I would give them I would give them a game somewhere because um, it's a seven game series and yeah, and hockey just, happens. Yeah, it's just too hard, man. NHL teams are too good. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the other potential four seed, which is St. Louis. Uh, not gonna, not gonna give a lot of time to San Jose here. Do you want to talk? Oh, look, San Jose is four points back of St. Louis for the four seed, and St. Louis has two games in hand on them. Yeah, the big I, thing that the big thing going against St. Louis remains their schedule. St. Louis it's, does it's, have the most difficult schedule left. Yeah, it's it's all Colorado, Minnesota, Vegas. So, I, you know, like that is a, that is a tough go. Yep. And they're, cause if they're going to make the postseason against that schedule, they've earned it. And that's what makes you nervous about them. Here, even then though, even then St. Louis is four points behind Arizona. And they only have one game in hand on Arizona. So it just feels like a mountain to climb for San Jose. Their inability to beat Arizona doesn't help. Yeah. Has been so weird. And I think this is also the part where we, from a Colorado perspective, have struggled with the Coyotes in particular. Yep. Because we've watched the Avs thoroughly dominate. Arizona over the last, well, what did I say? 13 games 13, that they played? Yeah. 
And Arizona won their season series against St. Louis. Yeah. So it's it's this is this has been the struggle for us is that we see Arizona through the lens of how they perform against the abs. And it's obvious that the abs have their number. Like they are built to to rock Arizona specifically. They they house them. But for some reason, like St. Louis can't get past those guys. And it's like, what is it about Arizona specifically about that matchup that makes it difficult? They're not they're not stylistically really all that similar. So what is it? What is it that Arizona does that gives St. Louis problems? And you know, we we because we always look at St. Louis as like danger, danger, danger. Mm-hmm. But the Abs are three and one against the Blues this year. Doing just fine. Their, their one loss was the opening game of the season. The first game of the year. Yeah. And they responded to that with an eight nothing win. Yeah. So I'm I'm you know tonight tonight should be the was supposed to be, I think, game six against the Blues on the season. Yeah, because five would have been Monday, yeah. Or Sunday, yeah. <clears throat> so Five or six. Yeah. Either way. It we're 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 at we're at a point where we just don't really know this matchup that well. Because like Randy's already getting into in the chat, St. Louis has a reputation for playing a heavy game. And like that's Colorado's great weakness, right? That's their That's that's like the thing that they have. It's sure. It's like that's the, it's Colorado's their Achilles heel, yeah, right? Like yeah. theoretically, like that's been everybody's big problem with Colorado is that they aren't tough enough. Sure, they aren't it, gritty enough. They aren't physical enough. This, I mean, this conversation comes to comes down to to me consistently, who can impose their style of hockey on the current game. Right, because if St. Louis imposes that heavy hitting style and slows the game down, you'll see the Avs start to struggle. But if the Avs maintain puck possession, keep up their play, and force it on the Blues, you get eight nothing blowouts. Yeah. So it, the pendulum can swing either way there, certainly. And the the conversation as we've just completely ignored the sharks here because that's what we're going to do. Uh, the conversation I mean, with I mean, Saint- the sharks, the sharks are scary because they have some dudes and if they get crazy pants hot, it means all of those dudes are locked in every, every single thing the sharks do is completely undermined by having Martin Jones and net though. Well, and if they, but if they make the postseason, then Martin Jones got hot. Sure, but and like Martin Jones, if Martin Jones rediscovers the form that was the first like five years of his career, like we forget, like Martin Jones was a good goaltender for a number of years. You now have a track record of three straight years of not that though. So I'm just saying, (laughs) yeah, like, but there was also a track record before that of the guy being good before he ran and he didn't get old. He didn't have a he didn't have a major injury. 
you know, his wife didn't leave him. Like, there wasn't any, like, major life event that triggered Martin Jones into being bad. Yeah. So, in the same way that it could just be like, well, Martin Jones is bad now, he could flip the switch and be like, well, I'm going to be really, really good in the next two months. And you that's know? true of any goalie to a certain extent. Yeah, it is. And that's the fear of Martin. Like, that's Martin Jones's best self is better than a lot of dudes. Yeah. And to to tie this back into St. Louis, I think their biggest question is who the hell is Jordan Bennington? Yeah. Is he the good Jordan Bennington that won them a Stanley Cup? Or is he the mediocre Jordan Bennington that he's been with flashes? Or is he bad? He's shown to be any of those three dudes on any given night. Yeah, I think more... I don't know. He's just been okay. Yep. And like seven a seven-game series, you could see all of the Jordan Benningtons. Yep. Agreed. The it's a stark lack of consistency. I just pulled up his game log. His last three games are an 897, an 857, and a 960. <laughs> like, are they, are they one and two in those games? They are one and two in those games, indeed. The 897 could have gone either way, it could have. But the, and then the the next three games after that are a nine eighty, a nine twenty nine, and a nine twenty three. A three game stretch, a four game stretch of brilliance, and then an eight seventy five. It's just there's no consistency to him. Yeah, I mean you're gonna have those stretches. Like goalies regularly are gonna have those stretches. Sure. Where they're you know you have the you'll have a an eight sixty game or whatever. But it's just like that's that's perfectly normal. It's just that his stretches, his stretches this year have not. They've been two or three games, yeah, right? It's and not. It's, like, it's not the one-off games exactly. Yeah, it's not like oh hey, he had three games of nine twenty, and then he had an he had an eight eighty, and then he had three games of nine twenty. You know where it's like okay, well he's he's playing. He's consistently playing better than not. It's it's that it's that he has as many bad stretches it, as he has good stretches. Well, it's also he, he's a one hundred percent a goaltender of extremes. Look at opening night and the following nine sixty three on opening night and eight thirty three at game two where the Avs dropped eight on him. He follows up that eight thirty three with an eight forty six awful, and then he follows that up his fourth game of the year with a nine seventy four. There is yeah. no, there is no nine twenty. There is no. Yeah, there's not a nine twenty where he's giving up, where where he gives up three goals on twenty seven shots. Yeah, he's either throwing a one goal or shutout game, or he's giving up four plus. Yeah. So. Yeah, the lack of his, I don't know. He he is both their biggest strength and weakness at times. Yep. That's, I think that's a great way to sum it up is when he's on, he can absolutely bail him out. And when he's off, they're losing games because of him. I mean, how you look at the last game that they played. Yep. 
the the last Avs Blues game, and we saw Bennington in that game. Like, didn't play particularly well, nope. and then got to the third period, and it was like and kept it a hockey game. Yep. All of a sudden, you know, like the level just got raised several notches. And instead of the abs being able to put them away early, he makes a couple of great saves. And we saw how that, you know, that game, that game got close by the end. Yep. That's, it can uh, turn on a dime, I suppose. Which Jordan Bennington you get on any given night. Um, and in, in a seven game series, man, I just. Right. You, you never know. But how repeatable is it? And I think when you look at the rest of the Blues lineup, outside of a couple of oddities that I just refuse to believe that David Perron can keep doing this forever. Like, I totally think David Perron can continue this through the end of the year. Sure. Moving into next season, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to assume he does it again. Like, we're, we're going, we're going to, Assume that Nathan McKinnon continues to be a top 10 player, probably top five player. We're going to assume that Miko Rantanen is a point per game guy, that Landis Gog is good for 25 goals and 35 assists, maybe 40 assists in an 82 game season. We're going to make certain assumptions because of how old guys are and their track records and all that. David Perron continuing to be a point per game guy at randomly at like age 33. Hard to see continuing, but it's it's just like if it does, okay, then it does. But is that really the best that they are going to have? And like when they get into this offseason, it's it's gonna be like Jaden Schwartz is a free agent. Yep. You know, they've got some they've got some tough decisions to make. Because they, uh, Colton Pareko is eligible for his next contract on whatever July 1st is this year, whatever, whatever, whatever free agent day is this year. And so they have to be careful, they can't just like throw the money at it, it's still going to be a flat cap. Yep, so they can't just be like, oh, well, tomorrow's problem, like they have been for years. Which is how they lost Petrangelo. But, I mean, here is the thing about St. Louis's offense, is I do think, on the whole, as a team, they do a bit of scoring by committee, and it is a reasonably repeatable process for them. Yeah, they're, they have to do well on special teams, though. Yep. Because they're not a good 5v5 scoring club. Yep. They have to do well on special teams. If you can shut down their power play, you will beat the St. Louis Blues. There you go. Hire this man. Simple and easy. Blues power play does sit roughly middle of the league. At yeah, it's right not, around twenty percent. It's not. It's not an amazing uh, power play. It's just very, very, very important to their success. Sure, because they struggle to generate. I mean, we we talk about the NHL as a three goal league. They struggle to generate three five on five goals. Most teams do. But they're no longer, the Blues are no longer 
good enough defensively to win games two to one. Yeah, on a reliable basis. Yep. In in part because of Bennington and the consistencies we talked about. But and in part because their defense just doesn't have those guys anymore. Look, I'm sorry, but Tory Krug is not great defensively. Yeah, like he's a he's a decent defender. He's always he's always been a better defender than he got credit for because of his size. He got put into that he got sure. put into that that box, that offensive defenseman box. He's not Tyson Berry. That's okay? a pretty low bar. Yeah. Like well, and Tyson Berry is like he's the ultimate like stereotype of an offensive defenseman. Yep. Where he can he gets rolling he gets rolling on on offense and he does all kinds of good things for you. And he's but a dynamic. He gets a lot of it back puck. on the defensive side. Exactly. Yeah. But he's atrocious defensively. Yep. It, that's not the reality. But at the same time, uh, look at look at the archetype of the defensemen that sit on St. Louis with a Tory Krug, with a Justin Falk, with a Vince Dunn. Yeah, they're all more offensively tilted players. They're great savior that was supposed to replace a lot of what Petrangelo bring to them was Colton Pareko. And one, he's been injured a lot this year. Two, when he's been healthy, he's been just okay. Yeah, he has not taken the mantle the way that we all thought he would. Yep. Although it was it 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 it's it's always interesting when a guy has to raise his level, right? Yep. A guy, you know, because he's been a little bit, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to say protected, but Alex Petrangelo has always been there. Yeah. Petrangelo's shadow covered a lot of ground is what I'll say. Yeah. And in any situation where the blues didn't feel comfortable, it was Petrangelo getting the call, not Pareko. Right, and now Pareko, and Pareko was great in that role. Yep. But now there is no, there is there, no other option. There's no safety net beyond Pareko. It's yep. like Justin Falk has been better than he has been in most of his career. Tory Krug has been fine defensively, but he hasn't been anywhere near the offensive guy that they needed. Vince Dunn took a big step back this year. They. You know, Marco Scandella continues to just be Marco Scandella. That dude has a role and he plays it to perfection. Yeah, it's but. fine. But this is this is a team that all over the roster is good to very good. Yep. And the dynamic young guys who were supposed to really turn the corner for them and lift up that offense into a new, a, a, a different, a different tier. Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, uh, to a lesser extent, Sammy Blay. They're, They've you, been all right. You put it very well. The team is good to very good. There is no greatness. Yeah. And, like, they were a machine a couple of years ago. They caught fire. They had us against the world. They had the right mentality. They were good defensively, and they got the best out of a goaltender. Which yep. is just the world. You when you get the very best that a goaltender has to give, you're gonna be competitive. For sure. I mean, Jonas Johansson is like what 
three zero and one as an app starter. Yeah. yeah. Like they've gotten the best out of his NHL career, and they won games because of it. Straight up. Like all of these guys are good enough that when they're you know when they're in they get to the league if you if you can get the best that they have to offer you'll probably win games. The hard part is getting that on a consistent basis. If the Avs get the goaltending that they've gotten from Philip Grubauer in the postseason, if they get that, all this talk about St. Louis and all you know Arizona, it's not going to matter. Colorado gets the level of goaltending that they've gotten from Grubauer this year and in the past postseason. They can beat anybody. They're completely fine. Yep. On that note, we can take our second period break with our new partner, Solace Meds. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. The coolest thing right now about these guys is they're giving away a trip to Jamaica in this month of April. So why not? Head on over there, check them out at solacemeds.com slash sweepstakes to find the rules and get yourself entered to win a trip to Jamaica Sounds like an absolute blast. They also have two locations in Oklahoma City. If you're an Oklahoma listener, you can check them out there to sign up to win. Sauce Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. You can head to their website, view their menu, order online, pick up at your convenience. It's super easy. That's solacemeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. Misspelled them. That's okay. We corrected it. You can purchase from there. Last time we talked about them last week, I heard a bunch of positive stuff about them from all of our listeners. So you guys already love them. Keep shopping there. Keep hooking up our partners. Supporting them is supporting us. We're also brought to you by Hassle Cattle Company. Damn good beef. I know every couple of weeks, and AJ can attest to this, there's an order in the DNVR Slack channel for like, hey, we're, we're hitting up hassle. Like, who wants in on the on the deal to get the free shipping for 200 yeah. bucks? $200 for free shipping. We, we just put in a huge order for the entire... a huge group order for the whole company. Yeah. yeah. So also, we... uh, I believe hassle uh, is providing some. Uh, beef yeah. at the bar. Now. Correct. You can now. I believe they've arrived, so you can now get the Wagyu beef burger down at the DNVR bar when you come down to visit us. So if you want to try it, come on down to the DNVR bar. It's absolutely delicious. If you haven't had it yet, highly recommend you try their Wagyu beef burger. So they're one of the best sources for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Fourth generation cattle farm. They know what they're doing when it comes to this type of stuff. If you want to order from them, you can use code DNVR10 to get 10% off. As AJ mentioned, you order over 200 bucks, you get the free shipping. Lastly, but certainly by no means least, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. They have a bunch of amazing bets. AJ, after favorites to win the cup at plus 350, which is quite a bit lower than they were earlier in the year, but I asked this question a lot. How many other bets are there out there where the favorite you can still triple your money on? Uh, Yeah, I really don't know. Normally you don't get, you don't get odds that good. 
what I'm saying. So if you want to bet on the abs, there's a great opportunity there. If you're more of a UFC type of guy, UFC 261 is cutting, coming up. When you sign up for a new account with DraftKings with code DNVR, you can get 26 to 1 odds when you bet on the title fight. Whoever you think is going to take home the belt, give them a bet. Bet $5. You win $130. Had to pause to do the math correctly there. Five bucks for 130 bucks. Jump on it. Get yourself a bunch of free money. Put your MMA knowledge to the test. As I already mentioned, they have amazing odds boost in all of the sports that you could possibly imagine, including esports even at times. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Remember to use that DNVR code when signing up to get the 26-to-1 odds bet on the UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by that DraftKings Sportsbook. Are we ready to talk about the Minnesota Wild, AJ, or do you want to finish up some things on St. Louis? Uh, I'm good. All right. So, Minnesota. I think what gives me some confidence against Minnesota is they are currently being led by a rookie in Kirill Kaprizov and a rookie in the season series that has not looked particularly good against Colorado. Yeah, um, I think his I think his final season numbers are actually pretty good against the Avs. Um, obviously, the the eight to three win helped that and, a little bit, and the the six to two win a little bit of stat padding in their wins for sure. Yeah, a little bit of uh, the exactly. It's a good way to put it. Um, they. They still have, you know, and I mentioned that I like, I really like the defense that they have. I just don't. Look, the, the conclusion that we've come to on a lot of these teams is can't, is Cam Talbot the answer, first of all. And when you come to the conclusion that every team who's had Cam Talbot as their goaltender in the playoffs is no. How much trust do you put into a rookie goaltender in Capo Kakinen? Not an easy answer there. Because I do wonder about their goaltending. Now, Kakinen had a wicked hot start to the season. Yeah. At, at least his season. It is chilled. It, it has come back down to earth in a meaningful way. With that being said, Cam Talbot looks very good behind that strong defensive team. He's a 922 in 25 games played with a 240 goals against. Those are pretty darn good numbers. I don't care who's in goal for them that much. You really um, don't? Oh, because I think that there are two sides of the same coin. Like the that is a that is a duo that gets you through a regular season. Fair enough. That's fine. Right? Like they don't they don't get like you'll ride you ride the highs and lows with those guys and it's fine. But I'm not 
I don't think either guy is so good, even at their best, that in a seven game series. I and and I think that the fact that they are as close as they are creates problems in a seven game series. Like about having, you don't have your true number one set and forget. Well, and and like it's easy to get in your head, right? If a guy has a bad game one. Cam Talbot has a bad game one, and then you go to Capo Kakinen in game two. If Kakinen has a great game, you have to stick with plays, him. Yeah, plays game three, but then if he has a bad game three, then what do you do? Can you flop back? Yeah, because <coughs> okay, you stick with Kakinen in game four, and then he has a bad game four. Now you're down. Now you're down three one in the series. Second guessing yourself left and right. Yeah, and you don't. You don't know what to do in that it's it's your classic like what it's just it's just an odd spot to be in sure you know where you can you can hurt a guy's confidence you can hurt a relationship with the guy you know there there are real downsides here to Switching goaltenders in a series like that, and when you don't have when you don't have one, you know the the best thing for Minnesota would be a dude to go and pop off, yep, and just steal that dude. This is my job, and then you just roll with him for better or worse. If they just both keep like, all right, it's, it's good. You know, all right, they're okay. It kind of undoes a lot of what their roster strength is. Sure. Um, and then, the, like, in a playoff matchup, you know, this is not 2013-14. Oh. The Avs the abs at forward have a significant I, advantage. That, that's what I wanted to get into, too, because... You have Kaprizov, who is who has put up good production, but let's take Kaprizov as their best player and take McKinnon as their best player. Remove them from the equation for a second. Assuming that those are even equal, which they're which not. they're not. McKinnon is significantly better, but even beyond that, the the Wild second highest scorer right now is by points, not by points per game, is Kevin Fiala. You also have Zuccarello, who is producing well at a points per game level, but Fiala twenty eight points in forty games. You have Miko Rantanen, Gabe Landeskog, Sam Gerrard, Kale McCarr, Jonas Donskoy, Nazem Kadri, all scoring at a same, similar or better rate to their second best score. <laughs> it's just they're just not on the same level. Yeah. And and when you look at center depth, you know your center depth is enormous. Those guys decide playoff series. Yep. And. They, there's no answer for Nathan McKinnon. There's no like, there's no shutdown answer for Nathan McKinnon. It's not like they have a Ryan O'Reilly where they can hard match, you know, yeah. Where they can be like, look, on his absolute best day, he might go even with this guy. Yep. They're just not there yet. Like, and this is the big reason why you and I didn't pick them for the postseason this year was because we just like. They've gotten Kaprizov has been great. He has he's had to be great. Yep. If if Kaprizov wasn't this good, Minnesota wouldn't be in the postseason. Like they would be fighting it out for fourth place right now. They would be 
they would absolutely be 10 points worse without Kaprizov being as good as he's been. Yep, agreed. You know, like it's he he has kind of been a savior for them in that he kept he's kept them competitive. 100% has like almost single-handedly. Like like Minnesota's going to be a handful 2 years from now. Assuming that, you know, like assuming Marco Rossi is still healthy and yeah. like he recovers and he lives up to that potential. The combination alone, I mean, Marco Rossi, Adam Beckman, Murat uh, Kuznadinov, and uh, Matt Boldy. There's like, future there for sure. There's There are some electric talent, some really high-end guys that are on the way in Minnesota. But I'm old enough to remember when Zach Parise and Ryan Suter signed in Minnesota, and one of the things that they talked about was the great prospects yep. that were there. And it didn't the, work that time. The the Charlie Coyles and the Mikhail Granlins that were there. And like those guys all went on to be solid pros. Yeah. But they never hit that next level. If the same thing happens, you're having the same conversation about yep. the wild where there's a hard cap. They're going to be a handful. They're going to be a hard out. They might win the first. They might win a first round matchup a couple of years, depending on you know how it goes. But they're not somebody that you look at as a cup contender. Like they have a long way to go to get to that point. Let's... They have their holes. Their holes are the are still too important. This is not filling out a second line or you know you need you need a third defender or whatever like. They are, they, they're in a fine spot expansion draft wise, so they don't have to worry about a major step a major back piece. Here. Yeah, I, but I, the matchup wise against Colorado, like we saw it, the Avs blew them out three times, look, and both of both of the big, both of the the big Minnesota wins, the six two and the eight three, the eight three. The Avs were absolutely completely exhausted. They were totally spent, and you see it when when big winning streaks end. They usually end in spectacular burnout fashion. They get smoked, and we saw it like the Avs. It took the Avs a couple of games to find their legs. Even after that, they were just tired, and Minnesota destroyed them. And the six-two game in Denver, it was kind of the same thing. The Avs were the Avs were coming off of that really weird Vegas series. They were still in the first week of their coming back from the COVID pause that they were on. Minnesota was playing exceptionally well, and they just rolled through. Uh, there are some other things I want to I want to touch on there, but chat is talking about the coaching, Garand versus Bednar, AJ. Well, Garen's their GM. Sorry. Yeah, that's I meant Garen versus Sackick. Uh, Sackick at this point has a reputation in yeah. the NHL for fleecing people. <laughs> Garen has come into a team uh, one year removed from their GM talking about acquiring lizard-like players in Matt Zuccarello. And it's funny, but some of the things that we criticized what's his face for have gone well. Yep. The Kevin the Kevin Fiala deal has been 
heavily in Minnesota's favor. Yep. And Bill Guerin, I think Bill Guerin's done a, a decent job. He hasn't really done a lot yet. That's so, we'll, so like we'll we'll see. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Is it's easy to be a decent GM when you get dropped into the position and and haven't been doing it for four or five years. It well, was, and, and when you're coming off of a situation that was seen as extremely toxic, nowhere to go but up, kind of. Yeah. yeah, and and like everybody was kind of looking at your organization as burning wreckage when you get there. All you have to do is just show up. Like, imagine the guy that that comes after Jeff Breidich. That guy easiest is, job in the world. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's gonna get three years, and nobody's gonna give a shit what he does. Yep. Just by not being Jeff Breidich, that guy is automatically gonna win. It's it was the same thing for Bill Guerin. Like, he gets to sh- he gets to just show up. Well, then I I think the three year mark is an interesting one because. We very much saw three years into Sackick's tenure as GM. A lot of people weren't happy with him. Now, of course, everyone uh, everyone loves Sackick as the Avs GM. Yeah, I mean, there were... <clears throat> Sackick's, Sackick's first couple of years were the most traditional hockey man moves. Yep. Like... Go get older. Go get veteran presence. Sign Patrick Bordalo <laughs> to a three-year deal. Sign yep. Cody McLeod to a multi-year deal. Go get Brad Stewart and give him a multi-year deal in training camp. <laughs> you know, like yep. okay, well that didn't work. Go and get Francois Boschman and Jerome McGinla in free agency. <laughs> yeah, lose Paul Stasny in free agency. Trade Ryan O'Reilly for. Because he big wouldn't play hulk, ball for the money, yeah. Big hulking defenseman Nikita Zadorov. <laughs> yep. Like some really like super traditional <laughs> old school hockey guy stuff. But once and and we always draw the line here because it's an obvious freaking line. Patrick Waugh. When Patrick Waugh quit. The organization changed. Yep. And you can, I mean, the organization changed right before he quit. What happened in that time? Chris McFarland got hired. Yep. The Avs brought in an AGM who had been an AGM for 10 years in Columbus and brought him in and said, okay, we want you to handle the pro hockey side of this stuff. Not the AHL stuff. We'll leave that to Biller. He will continue to do that which continues to be a source of frustration for us, but whatever. McFarland brings in a different attitude. Suddenly the team is investing in, in analytics, like heavily a in much, analytics. Much more stop looking at where hockey was and start looking at where it's going. Type start of looking at what 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 vision do you want to imprint? What 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 do you think the team should be, Joe Sackick? Yeah. Not what do you think the team should be that Patrick Waugh wants to coach? Yep. What do you think it should be? And he said, I want a team that's fast, and I want a team that's fun to watch. And so they said, all right, let's go ham on skating. Let's go and do all these different things, right? And they did. They did all of those. They bottomed out, and they started targeting that stuff like crazy. They started using 
an internal process that has been unimpeachable at the pro level. How many poor moves have they made? I mean, the, the Derek Broussard deadline deal? It's They're few and far between, for sure. Like, the Ian Cole move, the Ian Cole for Greg Patteron deal is basically the only, like, big trade miss of recent in and, recent time. And there were circumstances to that. And even then, they ended up dumping Patteron's salary in a, in a pickup of Dubnik. Yeah. It's... It, <laughs> It was just things changed for Sackick and he started to implement a certain vision. Yep. And with Garen, we're just we're right at the beginning of that. Yeah. You don't really know. There hasn't there hasn't been there hasn't been like the major decision yet. He hasn't like he's he's he got Caprizov to sign. Great. Yep. You know, he he I think did the uh, Jason Zucker deal with Pittsburgh right after he came over from Pittsburgh's front office. Maybe. And got that first round pick. Great. Like, he's off to a perfectly fine start. They've overachieved a little bit this year. You know, they had the ninth overall pick last year. They use it on Marco Rossi. They're, they're chilling. But where... Where do they go from here? Because where Minnesota is now is not a particularly difficult place to get. You have yep. a couple of nice players and you're in you're in playoff contention. Well, you look at if you look next year, we go back to the old playoff format and then that and and the central division goes back to the way that it is, Minnesota is arguably the most vulnerable team. And you get St. Louis comes back next year healthy and then they're going to do whatever they're going to they're going to have whatever aggressive offseason that they're going to have. That's not an organization that ever bottoms out, so they'll be involved. But then they will – Minnesota is still going to have to contend with a Chicago team that's still kind of on the up here, right? A Dallas team that, despite having the worst luck imaginable this year, has been competitive. And, like, I'm not writing off the stars next year. Look, they're old and they're kind of an odd – they're kind of an odd spot. But, like, Rupe Hintz is broken out for them in a seriously meaningful way. They they are an interesting team that is going to get, like, that's just one more team that causes Minnesota problems, right? This is, we were supposed to be talking about playoff matchups, and it's kind of got feature-based, but, like, this is, like, Minnesota has a chance They're here. If they get Vegas in the first round, a team that they've been very strong against in the regular season, They've got a chance. If they get Colorado in the first round, uh, because Vegas won the division, I don't. I, I think it's going to be a five or six game I, series. I mean, two things here to stick with the playoffs currently right now. I think the conversation with Minnesota is a lot the same conversation with St. Louis. Kaprizov is great, but he's nowhere near Nathan McKinnon. Where does the high end star talent come for for Minnesota when matching up against Colorado? And I don't see it. I, I legitimately don't see it. And that is Minnesota's problem going forward for the foreseeable future is what is Kaprizov's ceiling? How great can Kaprizov really be for them? You look at a lot of the pieces you talked about. Matt Boldy, is he really a superstar center? I don't think well, so. He's not a center. He's a winger, sure. But 
They tried him at center in, at DC. And it was disastrous, yeah. And they were like, we need Alex Newhook to fix this. But my point being, uh, where does it come from then? Is is Boldy yeah. just a quality winger for them? Can he be a star winger? I don't really know. I know you love Boldy. Look, but... I love Matt Boldy, but is he a, a – for me, I think he maxes out as a – Landeskog yeah, level you're, player. You're slam dunk high fiving if he's Gabe Landeskog, right? Like, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, dude. <laughs> they drafted him what, like twelfth overall? Yeah. Like, yeah. They are. I think it was eleventh, but it. It was ninth, I, I thought, wasn't it? I thought that was Rossi. Maybe that was Rossi. You might be right. Um, I don't know. But yeah, Boldy, you're right. Like, you're right. Boldy is. I mean. It's not, it's not, it, it's Kuznodinov, I think, is, is, and, and Beckman are the real linchpins here. They need to get high end quality out of that. Yeah. Especially Kuznodinov, dude. They, because he is, he is the super electric, dynamic talent that fits into the modern mold of everything that they want to do, right? Yep. Of, of of how teams want to play, of yep. how how Colorado has helped reshape how teams want to play. Very much how Kirill Kaprizov plays. <laughs> yeah, and you drop you drop that guy in there. I mean, Marco Marco Rossi is going to do what I mean. He's going to be what he's going to be. Yep. It starts to be a concern size wise because uh, Rossi and Kuznetsov are both on the small side. Uh, but you could you know. We're seeing like you can get away with that if you balance your roster well enough. You're it's fine. Yeah, they are. I'm I'm not too concerned about like they could win around in this postseason. Look, and there's a world. Hey, if they don't have to play Colorado, if the Blues if the Blues beat the Abs in the first round and they beat Vegas and they get St. Louis in the second round, Minnesota could easily win a couple of playoff rounds here. Like there's, it's not that hard to envision how Minnesota wins a couple of playoff rounds and they sure. become the darlings in the NHL, and Dom from the Athletic showers himself in love. Like, you know, like it's easy it, to see yeah, that route. It there. could happen, but, but long, long term, um, lots of questions. Yeah. Uh, a, Still nowhere, to be made. Yep. Like, there's a reason that they've become like the darlings with them outplaying things. Yep. Outplaying it, expectations this year. So for sure. It's it's we're always gonna pay a little more attention to Minnesota just because it's Minnesota and Colorado. Of course, yeah. But for the next couple of years, to this is this is kind of cold blooded, but the wild really aren't on Colorado's radar. It, I don't think it's that cold-blooded. It was very much both teams' roles were reversed six years ago. Yeah. So. I mean, the Abs were the higher seed in that because they had an absurd regular season, but you knew going into it. There were underlying numbers that told you that. Well, beyond just beyond just 13-14, Minnesota, while they never accomplished the mountaintop, were on the upswing at a time where the Avalanche had one good year and then settled into mediocrity. Yeah. So it 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 feels I mean, like they've swapped positions in a lot of that, was that was that I think it's fair to add, was that series win the peak of that era? Uh yeah, by a good margin. 
because I know they had other first round wins, but then they saw Chicago in the second round yep. and got smoked and it yep. didn't like it just didn't matter. Yep. That was that I think you could argue that that was as good as it got for that that era of wild hockey. And look, right now the Avs haven't gotten out of the second round. As good as it's gotten has been losing to San Jose or, or Dallas. Pick one. Yep. Agreed. And that's that's the fear for every hockey team, right? Is that they never get over that next hump, whatever it may be, whether it be conference finals, cup, whatever. Well, and it's no easy task this year. Arguably, the two best teams in the NHL right now are Vegas and Colorado. On a crash course, yeah. And they have to go through each other. Yep. Like right now, I think Tampa Bay and Florida are set for a first round matchup. And it's like the fifth and sixth yeah. highest point teams in the NHL are playing each other in the first round. Like it's, it's, it's wild it's a, out there. It's a, yeah. Dude, it's a bummer. Like it's a, it's a bummer, but it's going to make for an insane postseason. The playoffs will be nuts this year for it sure. It feels like it's going to be a lot more good teams than normal. Yep. Just the way that it's set up. It especially like, after the, the 24 team mess that was last year. Not that I love the 24 teams to be honest, fun. but yeah. It was super fun. I loved it. And I I love that the NBA has adopted the play-in. Yeah, it's dope. I, I think that's so fun. I love it. It makes more but... sense for the NBA than the NHL. I would not want that for hockey. But don't just... get me wrong, the overall quality of teams is dropped by something like that at the same oh, yeah. time. So Definitely. Uh, um, the AHL will have one round of playoffs chat, just so you know, they won't be they, awarding a cup. They've talked about it. I don't know that they've actually officially announced anything, but the one round of playoffs is like the thing that we've known. They could change it. That's true. So is what it is. Yeah. In any I, case, I just want to see look, they just need to get Justin Barron into the Eagles. And we just, I just want to see where that goes. <laughs> That's uh, that's the first step. Yep. Yeah. A super prospect heavy uh, Eagles team sounds like so much fun to me. Sweet. Appreciate the love, Ian. I'll definitely have to check out those guys. Um, yeah, maybe we can uh, hook up and do some stuff. In any case, I guess we're done today, AJ, unless you want uh, any other hype I'm, on the Avs being the best team in the NHL. I'm going back to bed. There you go. Hope you feel better. Congratulations on the second shot. Can't wait to get mine. Thank you, chat, for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We appreciate all of y'all. We will be back tomorrow talking about stuff. Uh, We'll probably get into uh, Byram getting off the COVID list and and where the Avs stand roster-wise tomorrow. Yep, as they return to practice. Yep. Um, 20 minutes until the COVID protocol list uh, is updated. Assuming no new ads are on it, then we're good to go. Yep. So right now, it seems like things will be good for Thursday's game. Uh, Yeah. Until tomorrow, I guess we will talk to all of y'all later.